0: Today's date is August 6th, 2018. Welcome to Native Calgarian. My name is Michelle Robinson. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman. I was born Michelle Elliot, another English-sounding name, which has afforded me privilege in a colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknife Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am the daughter of the Mayflower and the daughter of the American Revolution, while having an Indian Act imposed status card. I was born in Calgary. Why acknowledging my lineage and where I was born matters is because even though I'm Native and even though I was born here, my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Indigenous nation roots me in the lands of the Hare people, the Great great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm native to Turtle Island and my nation is a visitor to the area of klincho Tine indehay or a min- many horse town named after the Calgary Stampede and uh, my dialect Dene. My cousins are the set, are the Satina. Uh, native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Blackfoot south of the um, imposed U.S.-Canadian border, the Blackfeet, north of the border, Siksika, Gunai, and Bigani of the Confederacy. These lands are now on Treaty seven, signed in eighteen seventy seven with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakota, Wesley Chiniki, Bearspaw Nations, and the Sutina Sarce Nation, we acknowledge all indigenous Metis, Inuit, and other nations across Turtle Island as the keepers of this land. Any mistakes or misinterpretations are on me. I encourage questions so that they can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all indigenous people but I can share what I think I know as I walk the Red Road and my experiences. My Patreon account, Native Calgarian, please pledge and support. I want to thank Kenna, Matt, Sharon, Diana, and Judy for signing up. Uh, And if you have any questions or concerns or comments, it's nativeyyc at gmail.com. So let's get started on episode five. Episode five today, I'm going to talk about violence against Indigenous people by the colonial state. My favorite topic. Violence against Indigenous people is just my reality. Uh, Every generation has faced it. And that's why I started this podcast, to speak freely, without interruption, without tone policing, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people do not want to hear my opinion, and sure, want to tell me theirs, but by people who literally know nothing about Indigenous people, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people know nothing about our protests our vigils and our rights people who are gatekeepers that survive off the status quo and people who are so in their trauma they really stop people from doing the work and deplete all the personal resources you know internal and internalized racism is an everyday reality for myself as an indigenous person um so it's kind of sad i needed a podcast to have that like clear boundary but here we are and frankly i'm quite happy about it now so um I hope one day my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of me trying to discuss these present day issues in a, in a context that everyone can understand. Um, I was really inspired this week to drop some of my social uh, media and just take a break. Um, I did. It was a wonderful break. It gave me some time. I devoured a book that I wanted to nail off as I went out to the mountains with my family. I got caught up on Big Brother. It's like this, you know, dumb escape popcorn show that I got roped into. Um, But I did get an, you know, I was interrupted by a phone call from a well-meaning wannabe ally. Um, And all I can really start telling people is that, you know what, you just need to start working on your anti-racism training. uh, Working on understanding indigenous issues and work on colonialism and understanding that term. You know, just because I can't waste my personal time anymore. I've literally given free years of material and free speeches that are either disregarded or not processed at all. You know, today's genocide is continuing through child apprehension, jails, murders, rapes, suicides, lack of rights recognition, lack of land recognition, and more policies through the different levels of government. You know, we're not in a post-colonial state at all. And either we continue to do nothing or start educating others so that we can make meaningful change. Um, So one of the things I got really inspired by was um, a woman's art that was going around social media. Um, I apologize if I mispronounce your name, but uh, Kayana Montana. She has done some uh, works on Facebook before that uh, has been on my radar, um, always in regards to missing and murdered Indigenous women. And uh, this art was just taken off Facebook that she just made. The Canadian state, you know, has red flagged Indigenous activity as a threat to Canadian sovereignty. So I'm not surprised that that was taken off of Facebook as it was reported. So, you know, I definitely support her message. I I support the message of Indigenous rights. And... I shared her art on my Facebook page, and it's going around Twitter as well. And I encourage people to share it, to donate to her, to buy her art. Um, you, her all of her art supports families of missing and murdered Indigenous um, people and in our and our stories. And you know, I just find that found that when the art was reported, it just re inspired me. It re inspired me to uh, keep keep my uh podcast keep talking keep uh working on our collective rights because we need that and uh, that's also part of the reason why i want to talk about the book that i'm reading uh fernwood publishing published a book called policing indigenous movements dissent and the security state it's written by andrew crosby and jeffrey uh monaghan Uh, Andrew Crosby is a coordinator with the Ontario Public Research Group in Carleton University, and Jeffrey Monaghan is an assistant professor at Carleton's Institute of Criminology and Criminal Justice. These two authors are non-Indigenous, but clearly understand colonialism. The great saying about that is that they don't need to use the term racism because, as we all know, racism is a part of colonialism and already understood. Uh, The Canadian state has always spied on Indigenous people. I started a Twitter thread with resources of the podcast the author did, which is worth listening to, some of the articles that they wrote when they were promoting their book. So if you go to uh, Native Calgarian and uh, have a look, you'll find it. They really speak about the know extremism category the state puts indigenous and our movements within so even vigils uh, indigenous put together annually on February 14th and October 4th are classified as quote extreme and they're worth f- surveillance and using that terminology demonizes indigenous and that's a today reality which is likely why Ms. Montana's work was taken off of Facebook and um, These issues really came onto my radar to uh, make the decision to start speaking out about these surveillance issues when it came to um, Harper and his policies. It even, uh, you know, resulted in me joining the Liberal Party because I thought maybe with their uh, Aboriginal People's Commission, maybe uh, we could we could do some more work on speaking out on that. So, um, by the time the book went into, I don't know more at times I was in tears with proof of what we already knew what was happening at that time because our, of our experiences and media reporting, um, supporting our experiences. I would argue that for some indigenous who were were involved in the more recent movements, uh, they compiled this book is even healing to validate that experience, um, you now I put a small snippet of the book up on my personal Facebook page to re-emphasize how there are more than one types of justice system in, in Canada. You know, there's one for non-Indigenous that Canadians recognize as their justice system. But that Canadian justice system does not recognize Indigenous people or our rights. And uh, then there's like the individual Indigenous nations who also have their justice system. You know, this is not something the average Canadian seems to understand, but the authors of this book really do. So that makes it a lot easier for to digest the book right away. Um, thankfully, even with acknowledging um, a racialized people in general, they used uh, you know, conversations about uh, mental health barriers, LGBTQ2+, economic disparity, and these are unchecked intersectionalities in a completely unaccountable justice system. So, you know, I've never seen a colonial party really tackle those oversight issues in the justice system. Uh, The LPC had really great policies in the past. LPC means the Liberal Party of Canada. Um, And they even passed one of mine on the spying of Indigenous people in our organizations. But then C-51 came out. Um, This book is pre-C-59 for the most part, or pre-C-51 for the most part. while liberals may love this book, which I do, there are parts of this book that I would like to see more building on, particularly how policing and the justice use their power of influence to uh, change elections, which is true of all colonial elections and all colonial parties, and the Indian Act is colonial, so it's true there too. Um, They touched a bit on it, though. Um, They talked about uh, the clear three-way information exchanges between the Canadian government branches like INAC and all of their CSIS and all of their RCMP, the policing and the industry. I give really direct <laughs> examples with CN and um, INAC. So INAC is Indian Affairs now called Indigenous Northern Affairs Canada, but we always just call it INAC. Um, they talked about INAC and, you know, the INAC being frustrated that there wasn't more violence by the police against Indigenous uh, Ontario Superior Court Justice David Brown was in charge of an Indigenous court case despite him being a former uh, CN lawyer and former expert witness for CN. So and that was the Canadian National Railway Company versus Plain in 2013. But my favorite parts that actually made me laugh out loud were found in the footnotes um, in the chapter of I Don't Know More on page 134 and 35. And um you know, obviously a lot of the names in this, in this book, everybody would know, Derek Nippenak, um, Tanya Capo, uh, Sylvia McAdam, uh, Pam Palmater, Russ Dabo, all, everyone in our, in our, in the Indigenous community recognizes them as, as, uh, the leaders, and especially during Idle No More. And, um, one of my favorite things to read was after this whole chapter about, you know, Idle No More and the Fusion Center for so-called Native Problems. And that, and that they talk about the center that they make, uh, the RCMP make, and the and CSIS make, and their, the direct line of information they're always sharing with industry and always sharing with the government. Anyway, it, one of my favorite moments was in a, a separate set of eva- emails revealed that INAC employees were caught off guard by the movement. Uh, Ian Gray asks, What do you mean, I do know more? Please clarify. And I just loved that so much, because it just showed what a simple hashtag for us meant, but how long it took for them to understood. Um, there's so many great things I, I couldn't even uh, possibly quote one or two things out of this, this book without doing it a disservice. This book goes into um, all of us that knew about AJIG and uh, a lot of the surveillance programming that they did against us. Like It it goes into all of that. Uh, But I I wanted to read this one part because it's really relevant today. Um, As I said, this book was kind of a pre-C51, but today we're under a new government, under a different party, and we're talking about nation to nation. And a lot of Indigenous people, including myself, are wondering why the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People isn't part of the implementation of our nation-to-nation agreements. So I just want to read this one snippet to you. References to settler colonial anxieties over Indigenous vetoes appear in several documents. These are highly illustrative of how unintelligible settler colonial officials find the concept of Indigenous sovereignty. Documents obtained by the government... Oh, um, I want to say GOC as the Government of Canada, but they actually mean the the Fusion Centre. Um, Also referenced a a perceived First Nation veto in relation to UNDRIP, the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, claiming it as uh, used by First Nation academics, leadership and grassroots to demonstrate the Indigenous peoples have a right to veto over resource development using their lands and legislation. Subsequently, GOC files uh, minimize UNDRIP by calling it an inspirational document that has no standing in Canadian or international law. So I find it incredibly interesting that even in the documents that are published, we find the original talking point that we hear today our own Justice Minister using about UNDRIP being an aspirational document and having no standing in the Canadian or international law literally made by those in the justice system that were already showing incredible anxieties over Indigenous people having any assertion to their rights and sovereignty. So that just gives you kind of an idea of some of the things that you would uh, read in this book. So I can't recommend it enough. I'm definitely going to be writing up a a full review and putting it together. Um, But the last section of it is... uh, Alberta and obviously that's very personal to me living here Um, also for those who don't know there was we had blue dot issues uh, with Harper's First Nation education launch but you know this book solely focuses on the energy industry in Alberta and for those who haven't read Saboteurs uh, it was a book done about Weebo Ludwig. This man isn't even indigenous but it talked about how uh, the RCMP really worked with um industry and and that was a strong two-way conversation about um you know tr- discrediting this weebo ludwig um and his fight against uh, energy within his area so highly recommend um well i guess both saboteurs but also policing indigenous movements as really great books to read and to um showcase and educate uh non-indigenous issues that we are currently facing today in, uh in Canada, um, again, uh, so sexual like I obviously these conversations I talk about because I see it as part of the systemic uh, root colonial structure that we can't solve missing and murdered indigenous women until we acknowledge that the colonial state is imposed, that their laws are imposed, that their laws are not fair and just to indigenous people. You know, like there's so many things that are causing missing and murdered indigenous women. And, um, but that said, I'm still going to promote, you know, uh, Dr. Dustin Louie from the U of C's work on the sexual exploitation prevention education for indigenous girls, which there's a a link to, uh, October 4th, Sisters in Spirit Vigil, Pride is coming up. And if you want to meet me, meet up with me, August 16th, I have a diversity outreach where we talk about, uh, indigenous, well, not just indigenous, but, um, Indigenous, um, black community, any community that's marginalized, if you're of economic status, whether LGBTQ2+, um, ableism issues, whatever your relationship is with the police, we have four questions that we're asking through my nonprofit. and if you can't attend the August 16th diversity outreach, I have those questions already available in my email, my work email, so that you can give me your answers. Also, if you want to meet up with me, Chapters in Chat on August 20th. That's um, a conversation about uh, a book that we've been reading in the Indigenous Reads um, hashtag. That's what we use here in Calgary, is the Chapters in Chat under that framework as well. And um, it's just a conversation to talk about Indigenous issues, Indigenous rights is a book that uh, we had done last week that will probably be brought up again, but I also would like to discuss the child welfare uh, calls to action, the first calls to action of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. So these are uh, conversations I'm going to continue. Again, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian. I would like to uh, thank Kenna, Matt, Sharon, Diana, and Judy for their previous support. And if you value, value listening to this, you can, and you can afford to give please do. But those who cannot afford to give, but want to listen in, I'd love to hear from you and native YYC at gmail.com. Send in your comments or questions. And I also want to thank my husband, Darcy, for um, helping me put together a new podcast and putting it out there. So I'm just going to say this. I've been getting private messages, likes, um, things like that about, you know, hi, Michelle, how are you? You're so good looking. And I have no time for that. I am happily married. If it wasn't for my husband, you wouldn't even be hearing me. So don't send me friend requests. Don't send me um, private messages if you think for a second I'm single. Or I'm interested in, you know, having a a relationship on the fly. That's not going to happen. So, um, yeah. That's my... uh, Please stop sending me sexist messages. uh, Please. And with that, I guess we are done. Episode 5 already. So, um... Yeah, I'll do a review. I'll put it up on uh, my Twitter and on my uh, Facebook. And if you're interested in what I have to say, if you like it, please don't hesitate to um, showcase that. And also, brand new information is that um, iTunes and Google Play now also will have native Calgarian. So hi to iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for uh, listening to me through those mediums, if that's what you're listening to. And with that, I will say goodbye and thank you for listening to Native Calgarian.